Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. It's been a week. How's it going? Pretty good. Pretty good. It's been uh, quite a busy, eventful week, actually. There's been uh, lots of stuff going on. We had Mm -hmm. Tombs of Terror released, which is the new Hearthstone stuff, so I've been playing a lot of that. We got uh, Stranger Things in Dead by Daylight, which is also exciting. So it was like big content release for Joss week. (laughs) Yeah, so it's interesting. Uh, And I mean, I know we're going to talk about Tombs of Terror, but uh, the Stranger Things DLC is in in the notes here. So I'm curious, I was going to ask you about that. I saw you had purchased it, obviously, but I wasn't sure whether you'd had some time with it. And I was looking at the pricing. This is a more premium DLC. It's a little more expensive than the other ones, or am I mistaken on that front? No, you're right, but there's more characters. So Mm -hmm. uh, normally, I mean, we've had only killers, only survivors, and those are about $5. And then we've had like a killer come out with one survivor, and that's normally uh, just below 10. And then so this one actually is one killer and two survivors. And the the more characters you have, the more perks get added to the game. So this is basically like three characters, nine perks. It's, uh, as far as I know, the biggest DLC that they've done. So that's why it's a little bit more expensive. But Dead by Daylight actually this weekend is free to play. So they have the free weekend, I think goes till Monday. And then also the base game is on sale for, I think, $10. (laughs) So... That's yeah, they're steal. really they're really pushing it right now. Well, obviously because of Stranger Things, right? You get a Stranger Things license, you want to capitalize on that fan base that may not already be, be playing your game. So mm-hmm. I think deeply discounting slash giving a free weekend makes a lot of sense with this timing. Yeah, I well, I just wanted to make sure like if folks were interested, because I like Stranger Things, uh, big fan, and I like Dead by Daylight. So I'm thinking this might be the first, and I'm don't you know uh don't get angry i've not purchased any dlc for dead by daylight and i think maybe stranger things is my first sort of man i need that type reaction to some of this dlc because i'm not a huge sort of horror fan although mm-hmm. ash versus the evil dead you know playing as ash i saw that and it's actually all the dlcs on sale and i'm thinking hmm i might actually pick up ash uh and then pick up stranger things uh during the halloween sale because i know this game is going to have yet another sale in about a month for uh for the halloween steam sale right so it's very very true and Mm. honestly like i if anyone is interested in it like now is the best time to buy the base game because it's never going to go down below like ten dollars like that's a a really really good oh yeah for sure yeah if you don't already have the base game and you have any kind of interest in it i know i have been just playing the crap out of it and i've been talking about it for months now and uh yeah so i mean if anyone is interested this is the best time to purchase And the reason that I say that is actually because of some of the stuff we've been working on for Extra Life. We almost always play Dead by Daylight as part of Extra Life. Mm -hmm. So if anybody wants to, you know, jump on the stream and and play some Dead by Daylight with us, then you got to own it. So yeah, I think even (laughs) now in preparation. Exactly. No, for sure. Because I think it's guaranteed we will be playing Dead by Daylight over the course of our entire Extra Life campaign. Yep. And (laughs) I believe in previous years, we've even had folks purchase it at full price i think Gotti purchased it last year when we played it yes he did <laughs> and that was fantastic so I, that is still probably the highlight of my entire dead by daylight career oh it was so good him. oh he's so funny he needs to come back oh, this man. year we need to reach out or if he's listening yeah. maybe he's listening i don't know probably listening yeah <laughs> 
but yeah, no. Oh man, honestly, uh, Dead by Daylight is so much fun to play with friends, especially I like what we do with um, when we do kill your friends and we get a whole team of five and the killers in the voice chat too. Oh. I think it's it's so much fun. And I mean, I kind of feel a little bit bad because I actually understand the game a whole lot more now than I ever have in the past because mm. in the past we've literally played it like as a Halloween game or as an extra life game so I had the same amount of knowledge as everybody else now I feel like I'm like no matter which team I'm on whether I'm the killer or I'm the survivor like I feel like I'm gonna be way overpowered <laughs> yeah see I play like maybe twice a year if not a, yeah. maybe a little bit more so I'm always coming in fresh so, and I play yeah. like 20 to 30 hours a week. <laughs> and I think, yeah, but I have some great memories of playing that game. And, and honestly, I feel like it would be the perfect game for any sort of extra life stream happening yeah. in and around Halloween. So, oh, yeah. I know. Maybe I'll let everybody else play with whatever perks they want and I'll play with no perks. Oh, wow. Maybe you're that, that good. Yeah. You're that, you're Maybe that up there. that's the way to balance it. Yeah. <laughs> well, All just right. was like, Strictly with game knowledge and map knowledge and stuff like oh map knowledge is key yeah you can't really underestimate that so now like i say with the amount that i've been playing it's uh yeah kind of kind of i can't like i can't not remember like where no. all the generators are or like how to how to get around the loops and stuff so no that's that makes perfect sense i think and the other thing with the stranger things speaking of maps it comes with a map or is that just available for everyone as part of an update uh, it is available to everyone as part of the update. But okay. yes, there was a new map introduced with this new patch. So um, it's <laughs> honestly, it's, it's a really, really freaking cool map. It's three stories mm -hmm. and it's like a recreation of the lab, including, you know, the breach that like exploded and there's like all the upside down is like part of the map now. And uh, nice. there's you can go into like the locker rooms and they've got like dead scientist bodies all over the place and uh it looks awesome it's really cool and it's funny to look at the like design of that map versus the design of some of the early like cornfield maps and stuff mm -hmm. it's like oh you guys have learned a lot in three years <laughs> oh their licensed content is just amazing the fact that they're yeah. able to pull in all of these you know classic killers and then actually go after sort of new stuff like uh like stranger things and Oh, that's amazing. Well, and there's uh, there's rumors because this week I feel like I'm doing a Dead by Daylight podcast. That's right fine. Now, let's do it. I, it's so, dead by, sorry, I've already told like... you, you need to start a Dead by Daylight podcast. So let's do the Dead by Daylight 10 minute intro. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this week they're actually um, the Dead by Daylight Twitter account, as well as uh, two of the main game devs on the game and the community manager all started following Stephen King. So there's rumors that possibly the next licensed DLC that we're going to get might be Pennywise. Oh, that would be perfect. I was trying to think <laughs> of like another sort of character that's in the... Because that's the other thing about licensed content. Rocket League was really good at this at the very beginning. Like being on, you know, on brand and on point with uh, the current, you know, hotness. And I think right now Fortnite is the kind of leader of that. But if Dead by Daylight can get in on like horror franchises that are doing well that would be perfect yeah really the only one that they're never going to be able to get is friday the 13th because of all the legal problems that go along with that franchise they oh, yeah. apparently the um i think it's like the the screenwriter from the very first movie is like suing them for 
rights or something. I'm not 100% sure what exactly he's suing over, but basically it means that anything based on the Friday the 13th franchise, there can be no new movies, there can be no new games. The Friday the 13th game that exists isn't allowed to update <laughs> because mm -hmm. of these legal issues. So uh, obviously there, we'll never get uh, Jason in, um, in Dead by Daylight. But other than that, pretty much everything's on the table. And with the acquisition of Stranger Things, and then especially if they actually end up partnering with Stephen King, I mean, you don't get more horror than Stephen King, right? So no. if you can get Stephen King on board with your video game, like, I have a feeling that there won't be any franchise that won't at least want to talk to them and, and kind of come to the table. So it's definitely opening up doors and it's really, really cool. And a lot of people are like, oh, but there's already a clown in Dead by Daylight. It's like, yeah, but he's like a super big fat kind of cannibal ish clown like he's not quite like pennywise is different because pennywise the thing that's interesting about him is he can become anything that you fear mm -hmm. because he feeds on fear so if they can bring that into the game somehow it'll work completely differently than the clown that exists already and it like it would be really interesting if you could like just totally spitballing like I have no idea if this is how it would actually work we don't even have confirmation that this is what is coming <laughs> but if they put Pennywise in the game and he could somehow access your game stats and like see which killer had killed you the most oh. and then so like if you and I were in a match together like I might see Trapper and you might see Clown and but really it's Pennywise that would be really cool. That would be like a next level mind game. <laughs> they would have some fun with that. Now, with Pennywise being rumored, I'm having a hard time thinking of other, you know, horror characters. Like, could you, I guess the other one that comes to mind is like The Conjuring is a big franchise now. Like Annabelle is really Yeah, like Annabelle. The, yeah. They could do like the doll. Have they done a doll yet? They haven't. Okay. Uh, and Chucky is something that the community has asked oh, yeah. for quite a lot. Uh, but he is very small. Annabelle is like probably about twice the size of Chucky. Okay. <laughs> Chucky is literally like a little baby doll. <laughs> Chucky would be great. And you've talking about being on point. I think they, they could, they've missed the release. Like, didn't the new Chucky movie already come and go? Or am I, it's not out uh, yet. I possibly. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But the, the thing about Chucky, well, I mean, up till now, what people have basically said is that Chucky would require an entirely new character model, a new set of animations. Um, they'd have to rethink how things like carrying people works, how moving around the map works. Like there's a lot of challenges with a character right. so small. So basically people wrote off Chucky as ever being uh, put into the game. But then they went and made the Demogorgon that required all of that too, because the Demogorgon is a monster. It doesn't move like a human. So they had to make all new character models and animations for the Demogorgon. Mm -hmm. So people are like, oh, maybe this means like, you know, now they're gaining in popularity. They're, you know, like, cause it's been kind of a grassroots type of a game, like a word of mouth, like, oh, you should totally play this. And now that they're growing and finding new players based on what licensed franchises they're actually able to partner with, um, the, the game is, is growing quite a lot, which is kind of funny considering this is its third year, right? So, or I guess fourth year. It's in its fourth year. It's had its third anniversary. Um, so yeah, looking at what they're doing and they are doing a lot. They're making a lot of quality of life upgrades as well. So I feel like with the resources the team has now, they've been able to grow to the point that they're pushing it more towards a AAA title instead of an indie title. And 
that's really great to see. So we might actually see some killers coming in that aren't humanoid necessarily, mm. like adult human type models. So for sure. Yeah, I, I'm excited to see what they come up with because, uh, yeah, I don't. I at this point, I don't think that any franchise other than Friday the Thirteenth and any character is really off the table. So it's an exciting time. Yeah, in terms of licensed characters, not the we should move on, but in terms of licensed characters, you could also look at sort of comic characters as well. Uh, specifically, coming, I thought of Joker, and then I thought, well, maybe Scarecrow would be a better one from the batman franchise like doing something like that would be interesting that would be really like pop culture-y i feel like these other ones they've done of outside of stranger things have been kind of within their wheelhouse so to speak but uh well and that's kind of the thing a lot of their characters were more like classic characters as opposed to some of the newer horror and with acquiring stranger things or acquiring the stranger things license it means that they are kind of moving into the the newer horror stuff. So uh, it's, and I think, yeah, again, nothing's out of the realm of possibility. I mean, um, they just did the Scream stuff, too, which is kind of... Scream, I feel like, is a franchise that is kind of the bridge between the old school horror and the new school horror. So Definitely, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, they're, they're definitely making moves into some of the newer characters. I think of the older characters, probably the only one that they're really missing would be like hellraiser yeah like uh, the uh, pin guy What's the pin it? guy yeah, yeah 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 they're doing a remake of that i think so he's so yeah that also could be on the table at some point in the near future so yeah yeah okay cool it's a good time to be a dead by daylight fan sounds like it for sure but yeah, yeah outside of dead by daylight <laughs> sorry about that i, I sent us down a, a rabbit hole you did, and I like. I feel so bad because I no, wasn't no. going to talk about it because I realize I've been talking about it quite a lot. But but not on this show. <laughs> yeah, these are these are kind of the things that I've I've been doing with my gaming time lately. Is like I've been playing these games as a service and not necessarily playing as much of the single player stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've been playing Dead by Daylight. I've been playing um, Hearthstone, and I've been playing World of Warcraft. Like I, pl- I did play obviously Man of Medan, and we're going to talk about we're going to do all our spoilers and stuff uh, at the very very end of the show today. But um, yeah, so I've essentially been just doing these like very very small chunks of single player stuff in the grander world of my gaming experience, which is these games as a service. And like I feel like I t- I talk about like I play a lot of games, but I talk about the same thing every week because a lot of the stuff I'm playing is is these ongoing experiences, these multiplayer experiences. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited actually to hear what you think now that you've had some more times and some time in Borderlands Three, which again is is multiplayer but co op. So so mm-hmm. tell me a little bit about Borderlands Three now. Matt's level fifty, by the way. I know. <laughs> and you know what we we joked. Uh, so the crew and I we joked that you know Matt. Uh, would would be ahead of us quite a bit. And I think the first night we played, he had had a, an hour on us, which wasn't too bad. So we kind of like <laughs> reset. And that's what we talked about last week, where mm-hmm. we were kind of all cut up to the same spot. But then right after that, it all just fell off the rails. I think, like you said, Matt's level 50. Uh, yeah, Belanger and I are sort of in sync. Like we're sort of around the same, like level 22. Adam, I have no idea where he's at. Like he's, he... <laughs> He's probably given up. <laughs> yeah, I think he was building a fence, and then he was like, "Well, this is my life now." <laughs> so he's been he's been busy with that. But no, we we I've, every time I've played and enjoyed Borderlands Three has been in co op with other people. Um, 
and there's really only been a couple times where I played start to finish in a session solo, and that was the the point in which I had the least fun with the game. I think it kind of there was a there was a long enough time between the second one that I had played quite a bit and this third one. I think the difference is maybe I think I can't remember if it was like seven years between the between two and three. But it's been quite a, quite a while uh, since the second one came out, and I think that they waited long enough. This is kind of the perfect time to release three because really the game is very similar to what you remember Borderlands one and two being, but they've really added a lot of like twenty nineteen quality of life type stuff. It feels like when you play a remastered game, and when they really nail it, is when it feels like oh, this is what it was like. This is really cool. Mm. But then you look at it side by side and it's like, oh, wait, never mind. Uh, this is definitely a remaster. Uh, I think you and I both had similar reactions to maybe the the 3DS remakes of um, uh, Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, right? When, mm-hmm. you're, when you're playing them, like, oh, this is exactly what I remember this game being. But then you, you think of them side by side and it's like, oh, no, never mind. That's definitely not the case. Um, and that's how I feel with Borderlands 3, like the additions of, of cooperative loot and even a really cool thing. So like I mentioned, we're all kind of all over the place with Borderlands 3 in terms of progression. Your progression is sort of tracked in a way so that, for example, when I was playing, Kearney was able to jump into my game no problem and kind of help me out. And then he'd jump out and my progression would be fine. And he'd already done it all because, like I said, he's level 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with- So when he jumps into your game, mm-hmm. stuff scales so very similar to WoW. So like yeah. you're level 10, he's level 50. You see a level 10 monster, he sees a level 50 monster, but you're both fighting the same thing. So he doesn't just like come in and one shot everything for you. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very cool. much scaled like that. So he's not punished for wanting to play with his uh with with his his slow friends low, low level <laughs> friends yeah yeah and and i love that design because again if you enjoy the combat loop which i do and you just want to hang out with friends and you've already finished the game well you can just you can do that and it's mm-hmm. really it's really neat and i think you even get gear that scaled you obviously i haven't done you know the outmatched stuff where i'm playing but i'm pretty sure he's getting equivalent loot probably not as high loot as he would get if he was doing end game content which that would make sense but if we were to both fight a boss and i'm sure he would get comparative loot to his level uh but yeah it's it's been a lot of fun and i i was talking anecdotally i was talking to you know belanger was playing and we were jumping back and forth between games in the sense that i'd get ahead of him and then he'd get ahead of me he jumped into my game one night and we got farther no, I was already farther than he was in his game. So when he jumped in, he had mis- missed a couple missions. So as we progressed maybe two or three missions, he was there was that gap in the timeline, right, for his mm-hmm. story progression. He said when he jumped back into his game, it booted him back to where he was when he left off before jumping into my game. He did a couple missions to catch up to where he played with me. And then the game actually prompted him saying like, hey, you've already done these missions in another game. Do you want to fast forward? And I thought, oh, that's, that's amazing. really cool. Yeah. And honestly, that's always been my biggest complaint about co-op game is that they just haven't figured out progression sync. I remember in Far Cry 5 and, and 4 playing that game, if you joined someone else's game, it wouldn't progress back to your game. You had to either play the whole thing with your co-op buddy or play solo, then, you know, have some fun with co-op. So you didn't mm-hmm. feel like you were missing anything. Yeah. And 
there's still an opportunity to miss stuff if you're jump. Like I said, oh, if you jump into my game, I'm a couple missions ahead of you. So as long as you don't mind me catching you up on what you missed, you'll experience it afterwards. You can kind of experience it out of sync there. But that's a player choice, not a not yeah. a game design thing. So it works out really well. I was really impressed with that. And honestly, I think Borderlands 3, for me, has been a lot of fun. And considering I wasn't planning on picking this up, and I'd only picked it up because, you know, friends were we were going to have a full crew, it's been a lot of fun to play. And honestly, I've been enjoying the, the dialogue and humor, at least with the main missions. I find the side stuff's a little, like, poopy dick jokes and i'm like all right it's it's just it's a little it's a little too much but the main stuff is really good and it's got this that same sense of humor but it's just better it's got a better punch to it Uh, i felt like the side stuff is kind of hit and miss you can kind of wave away the side content but the main stuff's really cool um so we've been having a good time with it i i think it's certainly worth checking out if you're you know not bent out of shape about the epic game store exclusivity uh i know that's that's a thing people want to hear like if if they don't want to play it on epic game store then yes you'll have to wait for it to come out on steam but i also think you should probably have a couple people to play this with there there is built-in matchmaking but i don't really want to play with sort of randomly matched people um although i did that a lot in destiny where you kind of like randomly mat like randomly looking for group type stuff. Yeah. It it worked okay, but I feel like Borderlands is more of a narrative experience, so I'd hate to see like people rushing through and then you're missing like story beats and stuff. Um but I haven't tried the matchmaking. Maybe I should. Maybe it'll work out well for people, but I find like it's just it's more fun when you're hanging out with people on voice chat, right? Absolutely. And so with the like looking for group stuff in Borderlands 3, does it actually let you create your own group or do you just like push a button that says match me up with somebody? It, it, I think it's just I haven't used it, but I'm pretty sure you have a couple options um, in the matchmaking. So if there's a way to like flag your group as like wants to read quest text or something, you know, like or, mm-hmm. or story driven or, or whatever they want to do. But yeah, like <laughs> gives a crap about the game. <laughs> Yeah, if that's an option, then maybe that would help. Yeah, because that would be my concern is because it is an open world type game in the sense that you don't have to be doing the main mission. You could be just roaming around doing a bunch of side quests or just roaming around trying to. It's like an open world game. There's like stuff to do in the in the open world where you're like finding, you know, mm-hmm. broken claptrap units. Claptrap's trying to build a a, a girlfriend, I believe. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes i i missed that part of the dialogue but you find all these like broken clap traps around and every time you find when you click on them it's like oh this clap trap died because of our worst enemy stairs and he was testing out an experimental stair module oh he didn't turn it on that's why he died my girl, <laughs> my my partner robot could use that and so on and so forth so you're collecting these parts so he can make like a, a frankenstein clap trap uh, robot girlfriend. partner girlfriend i don't That's know awesome. <laughs> so uh there's there's open world stuff like that so i could see maybe we're matchmaking you would have to be prepared to wrangle strangers um which is not impossible i'm sure it's it's fine um but for me i think being able to negotiate over discord and kind of figure out what we want to do next and 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 just beelining through the main story that's that's uh, that's been my the most fun i've had with this again like the side content is hit and miss but the main stuff is really good. You're being introduced to characters from previous Borderlands games, 
even the Tales games, so the Telltale game, that's mm-hmm. canon. So the main character from that one features heavily in Borderlands 3. Uh, he even has a siege mustache, as he calls it. So um, everyone makes fun of his mustache, and he says, no, this is a wartime mustache. This is a siege mustache. And I'm like, oh, okay. It, you still look weird with it. So, <laughs> Did you play Tales from the Borderlands? I played a little bit of it. I think I played the first episode. It was one of those Telltale games where people say, oh, this is the best Telltale game made. And it's like, okay, but is it? <laughs> you said that about yeah, Game of Thrones. It- yeah, but it's still a Telltale game, which is always what I kind of fell back on. It's like, okay, it might be the best, but if you're the best of an experience I don't love, then it still is what it is at its core, yeah. right? Now, people said that the Tales from the Borderlands was the best Telltale experience because it did things differently, and it was it was really funny. Um, it tied in really well with the Borderlands franchise. I think that's always been the issue with some of the licensed Telltale stuff is that it kind of feels separate from the reason you're you're checking it out. Like mm-hmm. The Walking Dead, it's like, oh, this is a separate story. You know, uh, Game of Thrones, this is a separate story. Guardians, this is a separate story. So on and so forth, right? So, but I think Telltale's Tales from the Borderlands, that was interesting because it's like, oh, this is a direct sequel to Borderlands 2 and at the time, there was no news of whether there would be a Borderlands 3, but now we know that it, it features heavily. Um, you don't have to have played it, and I won't spoil anything, but there was a moment in Borderlands 3 where you're inter- you're interacting with uh, Reese, who's the main character from Tales from the Borderlands, yeah. and you're given a choice. And uh, when you answer that choice, uh, the dialogue goes like, oh, okay, thanks for the feedback. I'll remember that. And then in the top right corner or top left corner, it says Reese will remember that. And I thought, oh, that's a nice touch because of the way the Telltale games sort of like always yes, have that yeah. <laughs> weird thing. <laughs> Anyways. Like, so it means absolutely nothing in Borderlands 3, but it's kind of like a, a nod to or an Easter egg for some, people who played Tales. Some would argue it meant nothing in the Telltale games, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's always my problem with them. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I think if you have a group of friends who's looking to play the game with you, it's certainly worth uh, checking out. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm hoping to get through the main content, you know, on and off with friends and see how that goes. That's my that's my expectation of this game. I don't anticipate like 100%ing it because there's just so much. But yeah, it's really cool. You go to a bunch of different worlds. So you're not just on the desert planet of Pandora. You're like actually moving through the galaxy. You're given a, you know, sanctuary is now like a ship. So in previous games, you'd have like a small corner of the map as a city. In this mm-hmm. one, you actually have a ship and all your favorite characters are on it. Like the, you know, Moxie and all the, the gun guys and the, and the bank. That's kind of nice that like they're, they're making it actually the borderlands like plural instead of this is the borderland that you inhabit. (laughs) Yeah, and all the different worlds are very, very different. So the first one, of course, is Pandora. It's the desert world. And then they get Mm -hmm. into like a city world where it's a a big metropolis. Uh, That's where Atlas is based, which is a a major corporation in the game. And then there's, I just got to like the swampy land. So it's very, it's it's varied. I'm hoping there's a snow planet, fingers crossed. Um, I'm sure there must be. I hope there is. It feels like a missed opportunity if there isn't a snow planet. I, I would put money on it for sure. Right. I'll Google it later just to be certain. So I know. And if there isn't, <laughs> Alt F4, uninstall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a little extreme. <laughs> isn't it? Alt F4 would not help because I'm not currently running the game. So 
If anything, it would just kill the recording, and that would be bad. Aww. <laughs> uh, well, I'll talk. I'll talk really, really briefly about the other thing that I was playing this week, which is Tombs of Terror. And mm. So, Tombs of Terror is the new single player for Hearthstone, and they've essentially taken the model from the dollar on heist and then added a couple of more pieces to it just to make it feel a little bit different and i really enjoyed dollar on heist it's second only for me to the puzzle mode that they introduced as single player um i think that was with the boomsday project Anyways, I really enjoyed puzzle mode because it was just a totally different way to play Hearthstone. And mm. I knew that there was a solution. Like sometimes in Hearthstone games, you just like, you know, you can't win. But in puzzle mode, it's like you always knew you could win and you just had to figure it out. So that's why I liked puzzle mode the most out of all of the single players. I thought it was a really cool way to think about the game. But uh, Dollar on Heist was super, super fun from a dungeon run perspective, which is their style of you know, build your deck as you go, face harder and harder bosses, except for they made it actually matter because the things that you do while you're in your run help you unlock things like back at the beginning again. So you can unlock new starter decks, you can unlock new hero powers. And in Tombs of Terror, you also get a starter treasure, which are like super, super powerful cards. Some of them are spells, some of them are minions, some of them are weapons. And you can, by dealing damage to enemies, defeating bosses, all that kind of stuff, you can actually unlock different starter treasures. So it makes you feel interesting and powerful right from the get-go instead of waiting for a few bosses before you get your first treasure. So it's a, it's a really good spin. There's also Plague Lords at the end of each of the wings, and they have 300 health, but their health is persistent. So every time you do a run, you know that your last boss is going to be a Plague Lord. But let's say in the first round, I did 50 damage to him. Then in the second round, when I get there the second time, then he'll have 250 health instead of 300 health. So you can kind of beat the end boss over multiple runs, which I thought was an interesting twist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that we were talking pre-show and I was trying to remember like, man, Tombs of Terror? Like, didn't we just talk about the expansion I felt like we talked about the expansion long enough ago that this would have already been out. But as you were saying, it came out this week. And they're really staggering this content. They are. Uh, so they've been doing this for the last few expansions where they put the expansion out and then four to six weeks later, they'll introduce their single player. And then the single player comes out on a weekly schedule. So like week one, you get the free wing that everyone can play plus whatever the first paid wing is. So you get wings one and two in the first week, mm -hmm. and then every week after they release a different wing. So like next week we'll get wing three, then we'll get wing four. And uh, it's actually been really nice because it gives you something different to do in Hearthstone. So when they were like with Knights of the Frozen Throne, the adventure came out pretty much at the same time, maybe a week later as the actual card content. So it was it was very much like, OK, well, I get through everything all in uh, the first week and then there's nothing to do for three months until the next expansion comes out. So now we've got an expansion that launches and then like four to six weeks later, we've got some single player that launches. And then usually by the time the single player is fully released, then they make a big change to arena. So the game as a whole there's always something new to do there's always something fresh so they've also been nerfing cards and buffing cards and stuff a lot more frequently and just making changes 
really in the game. They've also added in new cards. Well, new card, I should say. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in the middle of expansions, like last time, uh, last expansion, they had the um, Rise of the Mech event, which added a new legendary to the game and also buffed a whole bunch of cards from a previous expansion that weren't seeing a lot of play. So they're they're really experimenting and trying to keep the game fresh and changing things up a lot faster than they have in the past. So Hearthstone itself, like much by much like Dead by Daylight, might have taken a long time, but I feel like it's in like the healthiest place that it's ever been. Like they're I feel like the game is is in a really good place and kind of on an upswing, which is a funny thing to say of a of a five year old game. So both I feel like both Dead by Daylight and Hearthstone are just in really good places right now, which is an awesome thing to see so long into a game's life. Yeah, well, most of the time after even two years, a game is like, okay, this is done. We're moving on to the next project. And I think we're really getting to the point where developers understand how to make a good games as a service uh, without overburdening their players i think that's sometimes an issue there's got to be a balance there where you have to have time to enjoy the new content um that's always been my issue with games as a service is sometimes it's i know a lot of people say oh too much is never and like it's never enough like it can't be there's never too much content but for me i, I like a slower drip feed where i actually have time to enjoy you know uh, the content that's being released like i'm not always looking forward to the next the next big thing but then there's the other side of it where like oh there's only new stuff every three or four months or every six months and it's, you end up forgetting about the game before they end up releasing new content right so it's good that they've they've hit that proper that proper cadence with that game right so yeah and that's that's obviously what they're trying to get away from is is the kind of peaks and valleys they're trying to level things out a little bit so you know the initial expansion release might not peak quite as high but the thing is people stay interested a lot longer so mm -hmm. i think it's it's working out for them uh, a lot better and yeah they're they're making a lot of changes and the game's in a really good place right now so if you guys haven't checked out hearthstone in a while um do do jump back in because the new expansion was a lot of fun and now the new single player is really great and like i said the first wing is free of both uh dalaran heist which was the previous single player as well as tombs of terror which is the new one so if you are curious at all, then you can just jump in Hearthstone and try it out for free. So I highly recommend it, obviously. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've done a whole show about it for five years. I must <laughs> like the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep thinking Hearthstone's one of those ones where I know I will never be back into ladder. But I like the idea of puzzle mode in the sense that you were given all the tools and you didn't have to worry about having cards. But yes, I never yeah, played exactly. it. Tombs, <laughs> oh. Tombs of Terror is the same. It's not oh. based on your collection at all. Oh, it's okay. Just you're offered after you defeat each boss, you're offered three sets of three cards, and you just so it's kind of like arena in that way, and that you're drafting a deck as you go. Hmm. So hmm. it doesn't pull from your collection at all. It's um, purely just the the buckets of cards that they've put together for you, and you get to choose them. So that's the other interesting thing is you don't actually have to buy card packs. The first wing is a hundred percent free to play and gives you access to all the cards it's also wild so there's like cards that for me i like playing it because there's cards that i haven't seen in forever mm -hmm. so it's a because i i play standard i don't play wild so so it's wave based but it's set up in the way that it was for the dungeon run and that they're offering you new cards to add to your deck on the fly is that what you're saying yes yeah oh. Okay, well then that's how, and the first wing's free. Maybe I have no choice but to check this out. I feel like Except it's free, Ryan. Yeah, you, you should. <laughs> There's a lot of free stuff, but this sounds like yeah. good free stuff. 
Exactly. <laughs> and like I said, there the things that you do actually progress your character, which is an interesting thing for Hearthstone to be trying. And I think it, it works really, really well. Um, so like you'll go through the first run and whether you make it to the end boss or not, like the number of bosses that you've defeated and the amount of damage that you've done and things like that all kind of feed into unlocking more things for you to use. So different decks to start with, different hero powers, like all that kind of stuff. So it, it does feel even if you just play the free wing, I think you end up with getting uh, Reno as your hero, who's a combination of a mage and a rogue. So you get access to mage and rogue cards. Even if you only play the free content, Reno still has six treasures to unlock. He's got three hero powers to unlock. He's got three starter decks to unlock. So there's lots and lots of stuff there mm -hmm. uh, in the first free wing. So and how much go is check it? Check it out. To it's buy? free. No, no, oh, no, the no. whole oh the whole thing. Yeah, um, it's like thirty I, bucks. No, I think it's eighteen. Oh, okay. Because uh, I think it's I want to say fifteen American. So and I think it's like eighteen or nineteen Canadian. Then that gives you just the... So I remember in the past, they'd like give you like card packs. Do you get card packs when you buy the the expansion? To be honest, I can't remember. And I don't want to say yes in case it's a no. With the dollar on heist, when you bought it, you also got 16 card packs, I believe, from that expansion from the Rise of Shadows. I assume they've done the same thing, but um, I can't remember. I know I, I got packs, but I can't remember if it was like packs from completing a wing or packs from completing a quest. I'm not sure, but yeah. So yeah. it says here, uh, so you got fifteen dollars US for the whole all the all the chapters, and then you can earn up to sixteen packs. So earn three saviors of Aldoom after completing the fifth boss of each of the first four chapters. Another three for completing the finale, and there earn a go. golden golden classic pack when you conquer the entire solo adventure. So, yeah, so the yeah. golden classic packs are, uh, they're just like a normal classic pack, um, except that every single card in them is guaranteed to be golden. So okay, well, that you're, not, like you're not guaranteed of what's going to be in the pack. Like it could be, you know, four commons and a rare, but they will all be gold. So and 15 from the, bucks from is the pretty basic good. classic set, or I guess from the classic set. So that's like. They're ones you earn. Yeah. So like four, so four, how many chapters? Five chapters? Uh, four chapters and a finale. So I think that the finale is just a like one super mega boss. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it's not actually a full like run, which is why it's only fifteen dollars instead of twenty. Normally it's five dollars a wing, so normally it would be a, a twenty dollar cost, twenty dollar American. But this time it's only fifteen because uh, the final wing is just like one, or the finale is is a boss, not a, a full wing. So. The bo final boss is basically free if you um, if you've bought the whole adventure. Mm -hmm. well, that's a good value. Uh, usually, there's like a I like to call the Blizzard tax, but that seems pretty decent. Fifteen, yeah, 15 it's, US. it is. It's really good, um, and I like the fact that they were like, you know, not just this is what our adventures cost. It was very much like, oh, well, we're not giving you quite the same experience as last time, so we're not going to count this finale boss as an entire wing. And charge you for it so it's it's again uh, the hearthstone team is making a lot of non-traditional blizzard moves i guess because <laughs> like you say that normally we would expect them to just charge the premium because they're blizzard but mm. they didn't do that so and uh, and yeah there are card packs tied to this as well so if you think of it as like even without the single player experience it's still a pretty good deal on card packs right so no that's good 
yeah, so I think it's worth playing. You guys should check it out. Um, I was going to talk a little bit about Blair Witch, but we are running super long today. So um, basically, Blair Witch, really freaking scary. I can't play it myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've made that decision. So what I've actually been doing is just uh, watching YouTube videos of a playthrough. So um, it's a really cool game, but I just, oh man, I can't, I can't make myself right. go through it. I feel but like the, you just announced that people should donate to Extra Life to make you play Blair Witch. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just throwing know, it out there. It's, it's probably a really good idea that, like, if I hit my Extra Life goal, then I'll play Blair Witch. Then, sure, maybe wow. that's something I should do. But <laughs> Yeah, hit your goal. Like, uh, Yeah, no, hit my goal. Yeah, no, this is not going to be some sort of middle-of-the-road thing. Like, <laughs> This isn't, like, $100 for every 15 minutes or something. It's, no, no you've got to... So what's the... It's just you... Hit the goal before I'll even try it. All right. I mean... It's, man, it's a scary, scary game. And for me, so... The really cool thing that they've done is that the main character that you play as, so you play as this guy who's like going through the woods trying to find this missing child. It's the entire premise of the game. It's the same woods where all the kids disappeared in 1994, which is the original uh, Blair Witch Project story. So the whole premise is that this guy, and I don't know too, too much about him yet, and even if I did, I wouldn't spoil it, but basically... He has some sort of like PTSD, uh, mental illness, something. And so you never 100% know what's real and what isn't, which works really, really well in the like Blair Witch universe, right? So I just, it, they've like paired the idea of horror, like psychological horror with mental illness so well that it's just terrifying. It's so freaking terrifying. <laughs> So yeah, I don't know anything about it to be honest. I I know it was announced at E3, then it came out end of August, and it's on Game Pass, so I I could check it out. But it sounds sounds really. It's also it's also first person, which I mean, oh man, I think I find horror games scary enough when it's third person, but when it's first person, it's just like everything is just in your face, right? So. Plus, there's a camcorder and it gives Outlast vibes, and yeah, I yeah. So, anyways, it's a really, really scary game. I've been watching uh, Hybrid Panda, who I think I've talked about on the show before. I really, really love all his content. He does a lot of really great YouTube content. He uh, streams on Twitch as well. He's a Dead by Daylight streamer, which is how I originally found him. So, if you guys haven't followed him, Hybrid Panda, go follow him. He's he's a really great creator. So, I've been watching his playthrough. And uh, yeah, it's it's good to be like, it's almost like I'm watching a movie with a really funny British guy doing like director's commentary, Sure. <laughs> so, which which brings it down a little bit, like kind of breaks up the, the terrifyingness. So it makes it me able to actually get through it. But yeah, it's like Ricky Gervais Blair plays Blair Witch. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Blair Witch is a scary, scary, scary game. Okay. <laughs> But it's available on Game Pass, so if you guys want to uh, try it like me and then go watch YouTube videos instead, it is available on, on Game Pass for free right now. So, yeah, that's a thing you can do. <laughs> Another thing you can do is head on over to bit.ly slash TGI Discord if you guys want to give us any feedback about the show, have some conversations, send in questions. You can do that through our Discord, through uh, info at gamersandpodcast.com, which is our show's email, 
or you can go over to patreon.com slash the gamers in to support the show and give us your feedback and suggestions over there. Uh, so please do reach out. We love hearing from you guys. That brings us to our topic of the week this week. This week, we are going to talk about Anthem. Mm. Spoiler alert, guys. Still not great news. <laughs> Ryan, no. why, don't you, why don't you talk a little bit about Anthem? Because I never played it. This was a thing that you hung all your Bioware hopes on and then it fell a little bit flat. It's the last one. It's the last one where I kind of buy it sight unseen like uh anyways yeah anthem is a game that had a really rough launch and for for good reason because the game wasn't finished didn't live up to the expectations of a lot of players including myself i had fun with it but i feel it was still it was still lacking very much so so even bioware is agreeing with that now in the sense that they they've been hyping up this event called cataclysm which was their big content drop post-launch it was Mm -hmm. supposed to come out in spring ended up coming out late summer it had, it's just finished and with it finishing uh bioware's announced that they are going to be scrapping their plan for acts of content so they were originally going to introduce new acts that were free that would give new story and new gameplay new missions they're scrapping that or at least putting it on hold to do a major overhaul of the game in this which is required because the main game is like i said sorely lacking and there are a lot of weird sort of issues that can't be fixed with uh, little quick patches. So Bioware has essentially said for the rest of 2019, Anthem will see sort of seasonal updates to kind of, you know, um, run some uh, run some events based on existing gameplay in-game. But 2020 could see a new Anthem, essentially. Uh, not a new game, but a new sort of a relaunched Anthem. Uh, so... I don't, I'm not, I've already spent my time in Anthem, so unless this new Anthem appears to be, you know, bright and shiny and worth checking out, like, sure, I'll I'll, I'll go visit it, but honestly, it sounds like what they're doing is they've they've tried to do Cataclysm, it didn't quite hit the way they wanted it to, and now they're going back to the drawing board and and they're going to address a lot of the concerns people had with the main game. Um, But yeah, it's it's not terrible news, but it's not... there's still it's not nothing great there. news. <laughs> no, it's not great news, but it's not like they're saying, "Hey, we're leave, we're we're abandoning Anthem," which is totally something that they could look at doing. I'm sure that was an option on the table to say, like, "Let's walk away from Anthem and and do something different." Uh, I felt like Destiny when that came out, it didn't have as many issues as Anthem did, but it had some core gameplay sort of progression issues in terms of you know content and story. But they really addressed that with a major paid expansion that came out the next year. Uh, so I don't know if Anthem is going to quite do that. I think it's it's too far gone to say, hey, give us $40 to fix the game. I, I don't think EA can <laughs> yeah, do that. Yeah, I, I find it so funny when... If anyone was even trying to consider that as an option, because really and truly, I mean people already gave you how much money to Mm -hmm. play your game you don't get more money to fix it like you drop the ball and now bioware is tarnished and i can't imagine there's a lot of people who are super stoked to play the next bioware game if there even is one so yeah i yeah Yeah. asking for more money to to fix what they messed up in anthem when i mean 
I'm not even 100% sure because I didn't follow the development too closely, but it's like, did you not test the game enough? Did you rush it out? Like, what was the, what was the original problem? Mm-hmm. Because it feels like you've fallen on your face multiple times in a row now. So whatever you're doing as a studio is not working. Yeah. And me giving you $40 isn't going to fix it. Yeah, there's some really great reporting out there by Kotaku in terms of, you know, the state of Bioware and what led to Anthem being such a a shit show at launch. And I don't want to necessarily put words in Bioware's mouth in the sense that they're not talking about a paid expansion, but even Destiny when it launched, like, it was still a competent game. Like, it didn't have the issues that Anthem had in the sense that it was not, it just didn't have those issues. Or you, and you could also say the fact that Destiny came out uh, five years ago and when de- and five years ago is very different from what what is expected in 2019 so anthem also had that issue uh in the sense that there was higher expectations being you know five years in difference but it's a very similar launch in the sense that there were a lot of people upset with the type of content that was being given and what was promised and how it was all laid out for its players so i think EA is in an interesting position where they could have scrapped it or they could have done a, a major overhaul. And I'm, and I'm glad they're committing to a major overhaul, but they haven't announced any details. And, th- and that was part of the blog post that, that they posted on the Bioware website is that there's no details as to what's coming in 2020. Um, if anyone is holding their breath, I, I advise you to maybe take a take a deep breath and, and try something new until the game, until they announce some details. Because I think we're going to be waiting quite a bit and it's not going to it's going to be something that bridges the gap to a proper sequel if we get one Uh, i don't think it's going to be you know uh like a relaunch like a second coming type thing i I think it's really just going to be a bridge to try to save face for this new franchise that bioware is trying to kind of you know keep afloat so i don't know um I'm, it's interesting. I mean, if we have new stories, we'll we'll talk about them. But as of right now, it seems like Anthem is on ice for the foreseeable future. Yeah, which is, I mean, it's too bad. It seemed like it had some real potential. It had some interesting points to it, at least from what they were originally talking about. So it's a little bit too bad. But at mm. the same time, I mean, you get... Uh, what you plan for or pay for I don't know no, like I just good. I feel like they, they should have they should have kind of seen this coming and maybe spent a little bit more time on it I don't know but yeah. uh, I love the yeah. story the story was really good the characters they set up were really good sort of the mythos uh, the, the background history of the world it's all great world building mm-hmm. it was just the setup and I think with a I, I don't want to play through the game again to experience this new anthem but if they look at anthem and say like okay going forward um, here's this new Anthem experience and there's no, more story, more acts, more, you know, gameplay. I would love to see that. I will give Anthem another shot if this new content, this new... <laughs> uh, I'm not going to buy anything, uh, but I will give it time if, okay, if it Okay, really I see back. what you're saying. Yeah, so you, you're you not actually going to buy if no. they do do a $40. I can't do whatever. that. <laughs> yeah, okay. <No. laughs> That's what I thought you were saying. No, you're no. like, at the beginning, you're like, I'm never giving them more money. And then by the end of the conversation, you're like... Well, if they all give them, I'm like, no, Ryan, <laughs> we need to have an intervention if, between you and Bioware. <laughs> if they put forth the effort to update the game in a way that doesn't require me to spend money to experience their new anthem, I will I will certainly jump in and give it the, the time. But saying that, I never touched Cataclysm, and that was the big, you know, addition, the big fix, yeah. so to speak. So 
it's got to be it's got to be a big gesture and i don't and cataclysm wasn't it i don't want to play a spin on the existing anthem because i already did that for 40 hours and i'm good you know yeah so uh and then just so if people who are writing in discord or whatever as they're listening to the episode uh you might have already done it but bioware is where is has announced a dragon age 4 as to whether that's happening with the resources probably required to relaunch anthem uh who knows where that thing's at i'm sure it's on pause as well as they try to try to write this ship yeah, I mean, we'll have to keep our eyes open to see uh, what, if any, news comes out of Bioware in terms of Dragon Age, because I know that's a franchise that a lot of people really love. So I would probably expect them to drop Anthem like a hot potato before they actually drop Dragon Age. Mm-hmm. If if resources internally are an issue, I'm, I don't know if they are. But if they are, then I would expect them to, to keep going on Dragon Age because it's a proven entity, right? Like, it's not this brand new thing. It's... A continuation of a franchise that's already done really well so it would be silly for them to try to salvage anthem at the expense of dragon age i yeah. think well inquisition the last dragon age game was was their last big hit and yeah yeah it'd be it'd be which kind of makes me worried for dragon age 4 i'm not gonna lie but <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm concerned too i i think a lot of people are going to be looking more closely at bioware because you could look at Andromeda and say, oh, well, that was a spinoff studio. They did DLC before. Like, maybe it wasn't a culture issue. It was just, it was a it was a satellite studio issue. Oh, and Anthem's looking really good. So it's definitely not a Bioware problem. Turns out, was a Bioware problem. So yeah. a lot of people are going to be looking at Dragon Age 4 as when they uh, give us gameplay and, and more details. I think a lot of people are going to be looking at it with a fine-tooth uh, comb and being like, okay, what's... What are we really seeing here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's going to almost do it for us tonight, you guys. So if you do want to stick around, uh, we are going to do Man of Medan super mega ultra all story spoilers. So Mm -hmm. if you want to stick around and listen to that, please do. We're going to do another 10 or 15 minutes on the end of this episode. If not, we will say goodbye here. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of all our episodes are going to be streamed on Wednesdays. We have a schedule change. This uh, Well, going forward, we have a schedule change because uh, my Thursdays have become unexpectedly busy so uh we are now going to be recording gamers in on wednesdays at 8 30 p.m eastern on twitch.tv slash the gamers in and the video versions of all our episodes are also going to be available over on twitch so thanks for staying at the gamers in remember tune in next week bye everyone for now if you're not doing spoilers (laughs) (laughs) exactly so now you guys have had ample warning Mm -hmm. if you are trying to avoid man of banan spoilers we have put them on the end of this episode so that uh, because it is such a story-based game that uh, if you do watch a playthrough or like if you hear our playthroughs and everything else like it does um i guess it, it depends on how much you you think spoilers ruin a story but basically the game is the story so we're here to spoil it and possibly yeah. ruin your experience i think <laughs> you haven't already played it so mm-hmm. spoilers 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 and go everyone dies <laughs> <laughs> or everyone lives Ooh, oh yes or <laughs> some people live and now i think when we talk about spoilers for this game uh it's worth noting that if you you thought oh, i'll stick around uh there's one thing i say that could be spoiled and ruin your experience and that's 
the general story revelations of what's actually happening. Uh, yes. If if you if you still think you want to play this game and you don't want those aspects ruined, uh, I would I would jump out because that's the thing that could ruin the game. Knowing someone dies and how they die, it's not a big deal because honestly, it's all gameplay based. But the well, story. Well, yeah, and, is and the thing is, like, you can basically everyone can live or everyone can die. Mm-hmm. So knowing that it's the same sort of premises until dawn then yeah you're right what actually is happening on the ship and how it comes about and what that means is actually the story of the game so we're going to talk about that and it can like knowing that i think will change the way that you look at the events leading up to those revelations and the thing that i really like about man of medan i think i mentioned this in our non-spoiler version is that they really give you all of the tools to figure out what's happening quite early on in the game. Mm -hmm. So if you know already what the like end game is, what the end of the story is, then I feel like the events of the game become less impactful, less scary, you know, because you know what's actually going on. So I think that's like the big story point is the is the game ruining spoiler mm-hmm. i think for me so so yeah if you guys are are trying to enjoy your playthrough and you haven't played yet maybe maybe don't listen because you're right when and how the characters die isn't really a, a game ruining spoiler <laughs> so so mm-hmm. ryan when you played through so i played through and i lost two characters you played through lost a couple of characters went back and and fixed things Quote <laughs> air quotes yeah <laughs> yeah i had two characters die when i played through one of which was at a point that we talked about in our non-spoiler uh, episode where we were talking about hey there's a conversation you'll know when you get to it and uh that will be sort of a oh there's a choice tree where someone will die very likely and or you you everyone lives and i i did have someone die and it felt very random uh i don't know why i'm dancing around it yeah the spoiler is basically where your two characters are running away from the main bad guy i think his name is olsen yeah okay so yeah your your ship gets essentially or your you're going out into mm-hmm. the ocean and you're doing like a, a wreck dive and then your ship is taken over by um pirates basically and the main guy i'm pretty sure it is olsen um but there's three of them uh there's i think olsen junior Junior, and somebody else and i i can't remember i think his name is danny okay danny is it yeah so olsen danny and junior are your three kind of pirate characters you never control them but they essentially are the reason for you getting on the ghost ship. So they kind of commandeer your boat. They make it so that you can't get away by taking away an engine part. And then they force you on the boat while they go searching for the treasure that you have uncovered. Yeah, and the Manchurian so gold. Yeah. So you end up um, like when you dive down to the wreck of a World War II plane, you find some information that points you to this Manchurian gold that you want to go and try to find. So they find that information from you and then they go, well, you know, we want to, to take the treasure from the rich kids diving out in the middle of the Pacific. So, you know, we're going to go to the ship instead. And so they end up becoming 
kind of the yeah like you're right the main bad guy the main threat so you're tied up you have to try to get away from them and you have to try to get off the the ghost ship and that's basically the the premise of the majority of the game you spend like i like i was telling ryan off stream you spend a good first third of the game on your dive ship and doing the dive and then the last two thirds of the game have to do with the ship mm -hmm. Yeah, the, so, the first third of the game is very, it's very set up. And then even when the kidnappers come on board, there's still a good chunk of gameplay where you're trying to navigate that situation. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, uh, that's, that's where I lost my first character. So, mm -hmm. um, I had Connor. <laughs> Stupid watch. It thought I was talking to it. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> At least it's story. It's sorry. Sorry. At least it's story. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, so uh, that's where I had my first character die. So um, Connor, who is played by uh, the guy that plays Iceman. Yeah, Sean Ashmore. Um, he's, Sean Ashmore. He's one of the it. more, he's the, I'd say the only recognizable actor in the game. Whereas I think yes. Until Dawn had a, had a good chunk, did it not? I, I recognized a, a few different characters in Until Dawn, but yeah, I think Sean Ashmore is the only one that I really recognize out of Man of Medan. Uh, but so yeah, I killed him by accident because... He essentially makes a break for the boat that the pirates show up on. It's like mm -hmm. a little uh, aluminum motorboat. And uh, so I managed to hit all the quick time events to get him into the boat. But then as you're driving away, there's one more quick time event that I missed where I'm assuming you duck. I did not duck and took a bullet to the forehead. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of headshots uh, the, the, in this game, and I, I actually successfully got Connor onto the speedboat, and I thought maybe, oh, that was a, that last-minute sort of dodge, so he kind of, like, moves out of the way of the bullet. It seemed really, like, weird to me. Uh, I did hit it, but it was one of the quicker, you know, quick-time event requirements that, that it actually popped up. Um, but he, he sailed away, and I was kind of like, oh, my, my this guy I really wanted to hang out with, as from an actor perspective, is now out of the game. I could see, you know, you basically, they ship off their most uh, expensive actor, no doubt, uh, very early on in the game. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know, I, I believe that that character will stick around if you choose not to escape. Because there is, I think there is a choice where you can say, hey, uh, I'm not going to leave my, my friends behind type thing. But I'm not Yeah, I kind of, I remember that too. And I feel like it was like, you had the option to attempt to escape and go get help or to like intervene with the character who was, I think he was like pointing a gun at Fliss or something. So Fliss is the, is the captain. And I think he was like pointing a gun at Fliss or something. And then that was... Um, you had the choice to intervene, which then I didn't intervene because I had seen the premonition. So that's a thing that this game also does as well as uh, what Until Dawn did is you can find pictures hidden around the the different um, venues that you're in, the different rooms and things that you're in that give you premonitions of what's to come. And it doesn't give you any context to it. So it's like it could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. You don't really know. And so... I saw a premonition of that guy on the deck of the boat shooting a gun. So I was like, okay, well, I don't want to be on the deck of the boat because maybe he was shooting me on the deck. So that's why I was like, okay, I'm not going to try to tackle the guy with the gun. I'm going to go and, and try to escape. And then I failed the, the quick time event, which 
I mean, you guys know how my feelings on quick time events, and I understand in a game like this why there needs to be quick time events. Because I mean, otherwise, what are you going to do? Give your give it give a dialogue choice of you know should Connor duck or no? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess you could. Because well, then, you know, like it seems like maybe he should duck, but then maybe the guy has bad aim and ducking actually puts his face in the way of the bullet. Like, <laughs> you know, who knows? They they could make it, you know, so that it's not as obvious as as duck or no duck sounds. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I understand why there's quick time events, because otherwise, if there weren't quick time events, you could, in theory, pick the best outcome every time. And you don't necessarily want that to happen. The game is a lot more dynamic if you can't just always choose the best outcome. Yeah, no, I, I thought that the this played a, like a shorter version of until dawn but it, but it felt really tight it, it didn't overstay its welcome and once you get on the ghost ship the progression is pretty natural in the sense that you're brought onto the ghost ship uh as a group and you're put into a sort of a room that they lock and it makes sense because you're i i believe you're that well the reason you're there with them is because they didn't want to they didn't want to kill you but they didn't want to like give you a boat to escape so they had to kind of take you with them exactly and yeah. uh yeah it, it works that way in the sense that they escape uh from that prison room and then hilarity ensues right as they try to find the what do they call it? the distribution cap i believe um, yes, to yeah, escape. that's the engine piece that they need to make the boat start again and then to leave the, the kidnappers behind, essentially, on the, on the ship. So so my question to you is, mm -hmm. what did you actually think about the, the overall story premise of the game? So basically, there's a ship in World War II. It has some mysterious cargo that has some, like, skull and green skull and crossbones on it that uh, the ship gets hit by lightning which then ends up cracking open the crates with the skulls on them. And then there is an event on the ship and basically everybody dies. Mm -hmm. And then the ship is left floating and you discover it, you know, years later after, you know, in 2019 sort of thing, they come across the ship and then start seeing ghosts and being chased and scary dead kids and yep. <laughs> all the rest of it. Um, but then in the end, it's revealed that it actually was a World War II era chemical weapon that was being transported in those in those crates and therefore was causing hallucinations. And that's what was happening. So there was actually no supernatural element. This was all hallucinations on well, behalf of the of the characters. Yeah. And it was really cool the way they set up the story in that they the min they they set up that cargo as like oh that's not the real culprit the real culprit is these four weird caskets in a room and yeah. the way they had set it up is like oh who are these people and it was just literally some fallen soldiers that they were you know they were bringing back and they were respectfully respect respectfully storing in a in a room separately and unrelated to uh, the actual problem, which was this chemical weapon, they just happened to be in the same vicinity. So a lot of people were experiencing weird things around these these caskets. The caskets, yeah. And I enjoyed sort of the scientific explanation of these these horror events. And I am going to jump ahead a little bit to uh, a funny moment because once you realize that it's a hallucinogenic, and they kind of really spell that out for you, you should know what's fake and what's what's real in the sense that all the fake stuff is like super, you know, dialed up horror elements. And near the end of the game, Alex, uh, who's one of the main characters, he is trying to escape 
Um, I got the distribution cap. He's trying to escape, and he's being in- infected by this the fog, the Manchurian gold, this chemical. Yep. And he starts to see hallucinations. He sees this weird, like, two-headed monstrosity, which you do discover if you open the casket uh, in the bottom, but that's also sort of like you being slowly affected by by the chemical. So you see this monster, and you're like, oh, crap. And your character knows at this point that it is a hallucination. A hallucination. A hallucination. Thank you. It's a hallucination. (laughs) And uh, and then you're not, so you're not really freaking out, but you're still, you know, scared. And then all of a sudden you see this character is like, okay, and you have a knife. So you picked up a knife because you were being attacked by rats. And then all of a sudden, uh, so you have the option to stab the monster. And I think I I opted to try to stab the monster and and I missed so I, I hit the prompt right, but the character misses. And then there's a second opportunity in which a rat, like, comes out of your chest. It's sort of, like, alien-like. Yeah. And I'm standing there, and you have the choice to either stab the monster or stab the rat. <laughs> and I reactively stab the rat, which results in me stabbing myself to death. <laughs> I That's what I, Okay, so I, I remember that interaction as well. And mm. so because I was playing co-op, I knew that the monster was Josh. Right. Because Josh was able to say, like, don't stab me. This is me. I just opened a door. Like, don't oh, kill that's me. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And then so I was like, okay, so I don't stab the monster. And then I saw the rat come out of my chest. And I was like, okay, I know that this is going to result in me stabbing myself in the chest. So I didn't stab anything. And that was the correct choice. Yeah. Just to, to not do anything, which is a, an option in these games that sometimes you don't think of is that sometimes not choosing is actually the right choice. And that's why I think that in Man of Medan, they actually made use of that a little bit better because often you can, you know, like say option A, say option B, or just stay silent. And staying silent never really feels like the right choice. But in Man of Medan, it was quite often, well, maybe not quite often, but they, they did make use of that mechanic in a way that a lot of these games kind of don't, is that it's like, in a lot of other games, I feel like just staying silent or, or not making a choice is just a way to kind of pause the story, like pause your character development, you know. Mm-hmm. And this actually felt like not doing something was an actual story beat, like it was put in there on purpose. And so I liked that they made a little bit better use of that than than some of these other um, quick time conversation choices games. Yeah, but I was like sort of in a mode where... I was still playing this horror game and, and the the idea of it being a hallucination left my mind and I'm like, yeah. oh man, there's a monster. Oh man, there's this rat coming out of my chest and I just reacted and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that was stupid because I ended up <laughs> basically stabbing myself in front of uh, in front of Fliss and I think that's where this game gets a, a nod to its co-op in the sense that you're, you're, you're seeing you're able to interact with your co-op partner over voice chat and mm-hmm. that's really Which interesting. Fit- yeah, that adds an extra level because it, it very much it feels like um, what would happen if you were actually somehow in that situation and you had like a non-scripted character in front of you. Like if that really was me and Josh in a hallway, Josh absolutely would be yelling at me like, don't stab me. I'm not a monster. Yeah, <laughs> because the, I didn't see the monster doesn't say anything. It just sort of like exactly. screams at it's you. Just, yeah, yeah. So you can't which I mean is is kind of part of the game, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Because. The idea that the monster doesn't actually say anything is because, like, you can't hear through your hallucination that your friend is screaming at you. <laughs> so it, it kind of it kind of makes sense. But I definitely think that this was another instance where 
the co-op added an extra layer of interest to the game and you can see how it's not just like it can really be played either way and it's not so much you know a single player game with co-op tacked on or a co-op game with with single player tacked on they really thought through the experience in both instances Mm -hmm. yeah and uh but yeah i i enjoyed the story i thought you know the fact that it was all explained scientifically and there is a moment in which uh sort of throughout the game there are interstitials where you go back to uh the curator and he'll offer you hints he'll say hey if you want a hint just say so and one of those was when i said oh i would love to know what's going on he said just keep in mind that there there could be a rational explanation for all this going on which to me was like oh maybe there's you know maybe there's something here and it turns out no there literally was it was just all like this big problem caused by this chemical and i think going forward with the game the only other death i had was julia she got killed in sort of the standoff i was able to bring the rebreather that you find all the way through that whole chapter into the room where you're in terror when you're sort of at a standoff with junior he's got a gun he's accusing you of yeah yeah that's infected. where i lost uh i lost brad there <laughs> okay yeah see because, i like so again i'd seen the premonition of junior shooting himself in the head and so what they what they tell you is that the premonitions are not given any context which means it might be an event that you want to prevent or it might be something that you want to make happen so i was like okay junior's one of the bad guys she's clearly gone crazy i can't talk him down so the outcome that i want is him shooting himself instead of shooting one of my characters so i made julia and brad try to essentially it is brad right yeah it's brad okay Mm -hmm. I mean, Julia and Brad try to talk him into killing himself, basically, which is a really weird way, except for I wasn't controlling Julia. That was Josh. I was controlling Brad. But I kept saying, I'm like, okay, we need to make sure he shoots himself and not us. Like, that's we need to make sure that that happens. So he was all talking about, like, how the mist is making people crazy. And I'm like, what mist? There's no mist. What are you talking about? (laughs) And it went a couple of times where it seemed to be working. And then it got back to me. And I said, you know, like, no, dude, we don't see any mist. And he's like, you liar. Bang. I was like, I just killed Brad. (laughs) I know. And when I killed Julia, I was devastated. I was like, what? There's a very specific dialogue tree you have to choose. Because honestly, I look after I finished the game and i had julia and alex especially once alex died i think that was like very stupid of me to or short-sighted of me to have him die because that felt like a a clear mistake on my part um at the very least i should have stabbed the monster because that could have been a bad guy but because the monster was so hesitant i should have been like okay this is clearly someone who doesn't wish me harm uh so i reloaded and once you complete the game you get a scene selection you can go back and you can choose where you want to start. And I went right back to the chapter where I'm negotiating with Junior and I couldn't get it. I tried it multiple times and I'm like, okay, because every time you did it, you had to like exit the game, you know, load your first save, go to scene selection. It was a laborious, you know, sort of process. So I looked it up and I was like, okay, what's the, what's the process? Cause I just want these characters to live. And yeah. it's very specific, like A, B, B, A, B, then do a thing. Uh, so, I ended up doing it. You put the rebreather on Junior and he ends up, it ends up clearing him of the mist and he, he kind of calms down and, and he ends up being rescued as well, <laughs> which offers some pretty interesting interactions between characters because he's essentially one of the bad guys, although yeah. the least of the bad guys, he sort of seemed indifferent about the whole thing um, throughout the process. So 
it was interesting. And then, and then once I finished that game, I I got the uh, uh, what was it? The distribution cap, fixed the boat, left, happy ending. And then Julia's like, I hope Connor's okay. And then after the credits, <laughs> you see Connor come back with the Coast Guard, and uh, Connor gets trapped on the boat, <laughs> and he dies. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> yeah. So and then I was like, well, I reloaded again. Turns out what you have to do to get everyone to live if Connor escapes at the beginning. You have to destroy the distribution cap. Everyone's upset because they're stranded. And then Connor shows up with the Coast Guard and then they save you. And then, depending on how you interacted with the military on the radio, which was a point earlier on in the game, Mm -hmm. the military show up. And I guess the military, then the military dies because the military is showing up to, you know, cover up this problem of of a chemical leak or whatever. Uh, they're all, they're not really the good guys. So, but, so they die, uh, after they come to the boat, that's the ending. That's the ending to the good ending. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, So for my ending, I just had, you know, like we, uh, basically reminisced about, you know, like, Oh, I hope Connor's okay. And then I got a scene of Connor in the speedboat just with a big bullet through his eye. Oh my gosh. Being eaten by a bird. Like, very dead very very dead <laughs> oh so the characters don't know if he's dead or alive yeah yeah you just get no resolution oh. on that if you're yeah and then uh also they were like oh yeah and we'll always remember brad and then it <laughs> shows a shot of him leaning against the wall again with a with a bullet to the brain i was just like wow and the worst part of all of this uh-huh. chat room because we were streaming it live and chat room kept calling me the real killer because i was responsible <laughs> For both of the deaths in our party but it's really interesting that the coast guard and the um the military are kind of characters to bring to the scene and then live or die as well that's that's really cool uh, i didn't kind of realize that because again my connor died and i guess uh well my in my playthrough somebody did show up so it must have been the the military did show up mm-hmm. but then i don't remember if they actually went through and like everybody died or if you ever saw the the kind of conclusion to that yeah but, the military so mine at the end the military show up and then danny is still alive and danny kind of takes them out because he's hallucinating ah um, uh, okay so yeah in my playthrough danny is dead um olsen yeah, all the bad guys died in mine. So yeah. Ol- Olsen died, Junior died, and Danny died as well. I thought well. Danny would have been dead. He did get stabbed, and he was sort of like laying on a table, bleeding out, essentially. So it's weird that he was... It, to me, it was weird he was still alive in my... I didn't think I did anything differently, but... Um, unless unless I'm misremembering, which which could be, because, I again, I played this a couple weeks ago now, so I might be misremembering how that finally finished off, but... Well, it was interesting in the radio sequence, and I know we're, we're running long here and we want to wrap it up, but uh, in the radio sequence, you were kind of trying to seek help with the military. And my understanding yes. is that if you got stranded on the boat and you gave the military all the information they needed to know they needed to come there and wipe you out, they'll actually either throw you in prison or kill you. Uh, oh my god really yeah i i definitely was like hey military come help me please i i was as well and i and i didn't think anything of it and there was a bearing update and it's like you told the military what boat you were on i'm like "Uh uh-oh because i mean they would be aware of it that that comes down again to the difference between a single player and a co-op experience because um I never saw the the bearing screen that you that you keep talking about because i guess because you're playing co-op it just kind of like 
keeps the experience moving. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But yeah, I never got like at the end of the chapter with the curator or anything. I never got any sort of um, screen that gave me that information. Um, yeah. I'm sure I could have opened like opened a menu and found that but well the bearing stuff is really useful because it keeps track of the choices you made but i thought the secrets menu was really cool because as you unlocked more of the story it would update the secrets saying like hey it turns out this was this because of that you know i'm being very general here but yeah um, yeah like for and they were all connected so that the lines between them showed like the progression of the secret so one of them was Fliss found a hat with the with the initials M then or H Medan and so on and so forth. So yeah, it was really yeah. good. Yeah. So uh yeah, I think it was it was a really, really fun game and I think it did have a lot of differences between um like the, the co op and single player experience to the point that like I'm kind of debating going back and playing again as co-op, but then on the other side as well as single player. And I mm -hmm. think that that's uh, the sign of, even though I know what's really going on and I know that it's hallucinations and stuff, it's still, uh, it's still quite scary. And uh, I think it's an interesting experience no matter what. So I might actually go back and, and do more playthroughs of this just to see the, the other side of the story. Cause again, because I did a co-op playthrough, I, I missed one half of the of the story, right? Because Josh played through it. So yeah, I, I would recommend would worth, doing that. Uh, worth going through and and seeing the other side and seeing what the other options were and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, so that was our our final thoughts on a full spoiler edition of Man of Medan. Overall, really good game. I highly recommend it, and I'm looking forward to uh, the next offering that's coming out in 2020. Mm -hmm. Same here. So that's actually going to do it for us tonight, guys. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see you guys next week. Bye for actual this time. Bye for actual. No spoilers. <laughs>